Let's open the precious Word of God to Luke chapter 2 and consider the blessings of Simeon. He made two blessings. He blessed the Lord God and he blessed Joseph and Mary and then warned Mary of things to come because of the Lord Jesus Christ. Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 1 had angels appearing to Zacharias about the birth of John the Baptist. To Mary about the birth of a son while yet a virgin. Mary goes and visits her cousin Elizabeth. They exchange some wonderful words. Elizabeth gives birth to a son that everyone is surprised that they named John. Because there was no John in the family. But the Lord had said that boy was to be named John, and the child grew and waxed strong in spirit, and was in the deserts till the day of his showing unto Israel. We come to Luke chapter 2. Hopefully you have read the chapter, because I want to focus on the 11 verses, 25 through 35, which are the verses about Simeon and what he had to say. And these verses and his words are recorded for us and for our learning and our profit. And I hope that your love and desire and zeal for Jesus Christ is equal to his. If not, you have a spiritual problem. And you should confess it and ask the Lord to renew your love and increase your love of Jesus Christ. Very quickly, as we look at this context of his words... Verses 1 through 7 describe our God's ordained means of getting Mary into Bethlehem. Why did God need to get Mary to Bethlehem? That the scriptures might be fulfilled. Micah chapter 5 and verse 2 said that he would be born in that little town of Judea named Bethlehem. And it took Caesar Augustus to do it. But do you know what? The kings of this world are but pawns in the hand of our God for his son, the king of kings. Caesar Augustus is one of the greatest Roman kings of all time. This king is the one that introduced the fourth beast into the world by defeating the remnants of the Greek empire. So Nebuchadnezzar's image of Daniel chapter 2 gets its fourth beast under Caesar Augustus. Daniel chapter 7, where the fourth beast is described as well comes into being by Caesar Augustus. This is that Caesar that defeated Mark Antony and Cleopatra at the Sea Battle of Actium in 30 B.C. that overthrew the last vestiges of Alexander the Great's empire and instituted the Roman Empire as the fourth beast. And it was during his lifetime that another king was born. The fifth empire, or the fifth kingdom, The kingdom that shall endure forever. The kingdom of the Lord Jesus Christ. Caesar Augustus, sitting in his council, determining that taxes needed to be raised, that he would issue a decree that all the world should be taxed, was being used by God to get his son in Bethlehem. Praise the God of heaven. For anyone who thinks that the word all always means all, and that's all all means, they just need to remember Luke 2, 1. If someone ever plays games with you with the word all or the word world, say, well, how about if we use a verse that uses them both 
together. Take them to Luke 2, 1, where it says all the world should be taxed. I ask you this. Did Sitting Bull's grandfather pay taxes to Caesar Augustus? Did Genghis Khan's grandparents pay taxes to Caesar Augustus? We have the words all the world, but all that it means is the Roman world of that time that was to be taxed. It's all that it means. Because the context determines the sense of those words. It wasn't all men of all time, and it wasn't even all men of that time. And yet they say that all means all, and that's all all means. That is so superficial and weak. Context tells us what words mean. Third graders learn that in a spelling bee, the first question they should ask is, please use that word in a sentence. Because the sentence tells you what the word is. The word can't tell you what it is. You need a sentence around it to tell you what word is under consideration and then the sense of that word. Man proposes. I'm going to tax the world. God disposes. You're going to get my son into Bethlehem. Do you love the God of heaven? We need not fear the decrees of men. Caesar's decree was for God's use. Godly men, and Joseph was a godly man. Matthew chapter 1 tells us he was a just man, paid taxes to a pagan, oppressive conqueror. Do we need more? Joseph went 75 miles with Mary up in altitude from Nazareth, which was at sea level or near it, next to the Sea of Galilee, up into the hills of Judea. For the city of Bethlehem, 75 miles, he did it to pay taxes to a pagan, conquering, Gentile, oppressing enemy. Should be enough for us to know what the Bible teaches about paying taxes. It says it in many other places, but we have the example right here. It is 75 miles between these two cities, and that's quite a journey. For someone that looked like Christina to make. Sorry about that. Our poor sister, our blessed sister, our blessed and poor sister, has already reached the size of the average woman with one child. And so she's a good example of Mary because Mary was very pregnant. But Joseph took her there because by the census of the nation of Israel, and by their genealogical records, that's how they collected taxes in Israel. Right. And Joseph was of the house of David, and so he, in the lineage of David, so he went to David's hometown where he would pay his taxes. Now we have that in verses 1 through 7. And she brought forth her firstborn son. My children enjoyed that last night that she brought forth her firstborn son because she had four more sons that we know of and have named in the New Testament and sisters plural. The Catholics thinking that Mary was a perpetual virgin or shot down with the word firstborn son. Thank you, Lord, for every word of God. Every word of God is pure. Verses 8 through 20 describe the shepherds that the Lord appeared to by his angels. And what a scene that would have been as the Lord picked some of the lowliest men of society to reveal the fact that he had his son, David's son, The Christ of Israel, 
being born in Bethlehem and announcing it to them with a great noise out there in the fields and a bright light. What a blessing for the God of heaven to shine upon them that way. And look at their reaction. They didn't linger. They made haste to go to Bethlehem and see Joseph, Mary, and the young child, Jesus, and they found him just as the angels had told them they would find him. Every word of God is true. They, and they noised it abroad. They made known abroad the things that they had been told. So already there is a rumor flooding Judea that the son of David, the promised Lord of David, the Emmanuel God with us, has been born. And the news is spreading by the shepherds who were so excited about what they had seen and heard. The verse 20 tells us the shepherds returned to their flock glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told unto them. And there was no little drummer boy. There were shepherds that praised God and glorified him. We come to the third section of this chapter. It's verses 22 through 24. 21 through 24. And it shows us the character of Joseph and Mary and some events that happened very quickly to the Lord Jesus Christ. The Jewish custom and the law of God was for young boys to be circumcised on the eighth day after birth. And so on the eighth days, eighth day after birth, verse 21, Jesus was circumcised According to the law of Moses, Joseph kept the commandments of God. Matthew 1 told us he was a just man. We've already seen here he was paying taxes where taxes were due because there was a de facto government over Israel, and that was the Roman government. Their coinage had the inscription of Caesar upon it, meaning that they had submitted themselves to Caesar, so they were to pay Caesar. But Joseph also makes sure that Jesus Christ, our Savior, was circumcised the eighth day. Just a passing remark. It is well known that on the eighth day after birth, the clotting principles of a boy's blood are at their highest point in life. They rise to the eighth day and they fall after the eighth day. Today, doctors will give a shot to increase the clotting principles of the blood to circumcise before or after the eighth day. But the Lord made the body right. right. And when the Lord said, hey, you can go look that up. It's just an interesting little tidbit. You know, man is still discovering God's secrets. And sometimes he lets even the pagans figure them out. But they're little secrets. The big secrets are ours. Amen. And that's why we're in this house together today. Amen. When a woman gave birth to a baby boy, she was unclean. And in a process of purification for 40 days. If she gave birth to a baby girl, she was in that process for 80 days. So, when we meet Simeon, Joseph and Mary have brought Jesus to the temple to dedicate him according to the law of Moses. So he is a 40-day-old baby. We have Simeon holding a 40-day-old baby, the infant Jesus. That was the law of God. You can go back and read it in Leviticus chapter 12, and that is what is under consideration in verses 21 through 24, that a sacrifice was to be offered, and they chose the poorer one that's mentioned here, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons, 
for every male that opened the womb. Every firstborn that was a male was a special child, a special animal in the sight of God because Jesus Christ would be that way himself. And so we come to verses 25 through 35. After 35 ends, we meet Anna for three verses, a widow of great age who spent her time fasting and praying in the temple of God night and day. And she came in just as Simeon finishes his blessing and praises God as well and speaks of him to all that were looking for redemption in Jerusalem. Jerusalem was the city of the great God. Jerusalem was where God was worshipped and where his son would appear. And there were dated prophecies telling men that. All you had to do was know Daniel chapter 9 verses 24 and 25. Seventy weeks are determined upon the people of Israel. Sixty-nine to get us to Messiah the Prince. Sixty-nine times seven is 483. No one in Israel was going to be of importance till they were the age of 30. So you back off 30 years to 453, and you arrive at the birth of Jesus Christ. There were men that had their calendars set to look for the Messiah. Because this was no timeline made up by Hal Lindsey. This was a timeline of the God of heaven revealed to Daniel for understanding. Daniel chapter 9. And so Simeon's waiting for something, and Anna was waiting for something, and Anna spoke of him to all that looked for redemption. They were expecting it at any time. After verse 38, the three verses about Anna, the rest of the chapter gives us the most information we have about the life of Jesus to the age of 30 when he took up his ministry that God had given him. And it tells us he was strong in spirit, verse 40. Filled with wisdom at an early age, able to understand and ask the doctors of the law questions when he was but 12 years old. And yet that didn't open their eyes, did it? That a 12-year-old was sitting there handling the word of God better than they could. Didn't help them. But Mary pondered all these things in her heart. Jesus went back home with them and was subject to them. The Lord Jesus Christ was an obedient son. He was the Lord of glory. He never had any of the faults of his legal father, Joseph, or his biological mother, Mary. He saw all their faults, yet he was subject unto them. Praise the Lord for such a holy example. Praise the Lord that you and I, and if you don't care, I do, get clothed in the righteousness of Jesus Christ for the way he treated his parents. I'm thankful for that clothing. And that perfect righteousness. And he continued to increase in wisdom and stature in that 52nd verse. But I do not want to overlook the fact that even at 12, he said, I must be about my father's business. Are there any 12-year-olds in here? 13-year-olds, 11-year-olds that want to be about their father's business? And I don't mean your father with a small F, but your father with a capital F. Your father in heaven. He has a business for you. It's different than the Lord Jesus Christ. His business was to die for us. Your business is to live for Him. Are you living for Him? Are you about your Father's business? Are you going to stay about His business today? Tomorrow will you be about His business? Will you work on the job as unto the Lord? You can work on the job and serve Jesus Christ. 
You know, the only time in the Bible where it says, serve the Lord Christ, is over there in Colossians chapter 3, and it's talking about how you work on the job. Right. It's not talking about how you hand out tracts or visit a mission field. It's how you work on the job. Right. You can serve the Lord Christ. You can be about your father's business. All you children, I hope that you'll hear those words. Jesus at 12 told his parents, I must be about my father's business. And all of you children should think the same way. I want to be about my father in heaven's business. And part of that business is loving and honoring your father here on earth and your mother here on earth. And obeying them and obeying your teachers and doing everything well that's asked of you. May the Lord bless you to that end. That's Luke chapter 2, and it's a wonderful chapter. From beginning to end, it covers 30 years of our Lord's life. From his birth to his entry into his ministry at the age of 30, when he was baptized by his cousin, as you can read in chapter 3. But let's come back to the words we want to look at in verses 25 through 35 about the Lord Jesus Christ. At eight days he was circumcised. At 40, Joseph and Mary brought him to the temple in Jerusalem to offer the sacrifice required by Moses' law for his dedication. He was a firstborn male, and he was to be consecrated to the Lord. Thousands of other boys had opened the wombs of mothers and had been consecrated to the Lord, all as types and shadows of this one. Because this is the one the whole commandment had been made for. The Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 25. Let me read to you these 11 verses. Then we'll look at them and, and beg the Lord to show us what he has for us in them. And behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And the same man was just and devout waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Ghost was upon him. And it was revealed unto him by the Holy Ghost that he should not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came by the Spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him after the custom of the law, then took he him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now lettest thou thy servant depart in peace according to thy word, for mine eyes have seen thy salvation, which thou hast prepared before the face of all people, a light to lighten the Gentiles and the glory of thy people Israel. And Joseph and his mother marveled at those things which were spoken of him. And Simeon blessed them and said unto Mary his mother, Behold, this child is set for the fall and rising again of many in Israel. And for a sign which shall be spoken against. Yea, a sword shall pierce through thine own soul also that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. By the nature of the first half of verse 35 being put in parentheses means it should be pulled out for you to understand the sentence clearly. The sentence is, Behold, beginning in verse 34, 
This child is set for the fall and rising again of many in Israel, and for a sign which shall be spoken against, that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. That's the lesson of the sentence. In the middle of it, he put a little side information in parentheses. Mary, it's going to cut deeply into your own soul what happens with Jesus, your son. Back to verse 25. Let's just delight ourselves in this man. We, we could imagine and pretend and desire that we could have been Simeon there in the temple when Joseph and Mary brought the child Jesus in for his dedication. But let's be blessed by hearing what he said. This is what the Lord's given us. The Lord hasn't given us the role of Simeon. The Lord's given us the words of Simeon. And they're inspired words. And they're good words. Behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. This is no coincidence. And we're told, behold. Stop and think about this. Grasp what I'm about to tell you. Enjoy what I'm about to show you. Behold, there was a man. He was in the right place. And that's important for us to see. He was in the city of Jerusalem, which was the city of the great king. It was the city of God. It was where God was worshipped. And the Holy Spirit is going to lead him into the temple of that city, which is the house of God under that covenant. If you want to meet the Lord, the Lord is met in his churches. Simeon found the Lord in the church of the Old Testament, which was the temple of God in Jerusalem. We find the Lord by going into his sanctuary of a local church. You know the verses in Psalm. I hope you know them. I went into the sanctuary. Lord, show me thy power and thy beauty as I have beheld thee in the sanctuary. Asaph was totally messed up in his perspective of life until I went into the sanctuary. Then understood I their end. God is worshipped in certain places. And that is why the Apostle Paul, by the inspiration of God, could write us and say, not forsaking the assembling of yourselves together. There's a reason for the local church. There's a reason for us being here. It's not an attendance board. It's not pharisaical legalism. It's because this is where we meet God. God dwells in his churches and their assemblies. Anyway, Simeon. Simeon understood that for his covenant, and he was there in the city of Jerusalem. But the Bible tells us he was just, which means to be fair, to be right, to be righteous, equitable. He was fair, and it's a godly trait of great men. Micah chapter 6 and verse 8 tells us, What doth the Lord require of thee? But to do justly. That's what the Lord requires of us. The reason I want to mention this and the reason the Holy Spirit mentioned it. If you wonder, why did Simeon get such a blessing? The Pharisees were bypassed. Sadducees were bypassed. The doctors of the law with their THDs were bypassed. Simeon got the blessing. The Bible tells us why. In full agreement with Psalm 25, he was just. He pleased God by his just and fair dealings with other men. He was devout. Which means to be religiously zealous. He was a devout man. That's a godly trait of great men. Can you think of a man in the book of Acts who was a devout man? Cornelius. 
was a devout man. And we read about that a couple times in Acts chapter 10. He feared God with all his house. He prayed to God always, begging for the Lord to show him more truth. And the Lord did show him more truth. Simeon was waiting for God's promises to come to pass. This is a godly man. The Bible tells us in Hebrews chapter 6 that righteous men wait for the promises of God. They don't get impatient. They're willing to wait and inherit the promises. And so he showed his spiritual understanding and his spiritual patience to wait for God to fulfill the promises. They had a timeline of the arrival of the Messiah given to us in Daniel 9. The prophecy of the 70 weeks. So we read about him. The same man was just. He was devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel. He wasn't trying to build himself a name. He wasn't trying to get himself a following. He wasn't trying to build up his assets. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel. And what was that going to be? The arrival of the Son of God. The seed of the woman. The seed of Abraham. Shiloh. David's son. David's Lord. God with us. Emmanuel. The mighty God. The everlasting Father. The Prince of Peace. All those promises were going to come to pass. And this man had his mind and his heart set on things that are above, and he was seeking those things. He wanted to see the Lord's Christ. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel. If you go back and read chapter 1, and what the angel says to Zacharias, and what the angel says to Mary, and what Elizabeth says to Mary, and what Mary says to Elizabeth, and what Zacharias himself says, it's all in chapter 1, you will read about consolation. The consolation was salvation from sin, salvation from death, salvation from hell, and everlasting life. Promised in the Garden of Eden that the male seed of the woman would bruise the serpent's head. Fulfilled right here as Jesus was born and dedicated to the Lord. The Holy Ghost was upon him. This man walked in the Spirit of God, and the Spirit of God was upon him. The consolation of Israel... Not all Israel, but spiritual Israel. Elect Israel was consoled by the coming of Jesus Christ. The rest of the Israelites hated him, crucified him, and were destroyed by him in just a few years. Spiritual men or spiritual women get the spiritual blessings. It's not random. It's by the sovereign choice of God. This man was just, devout, and waiting for the consolation of Israel. His heart, his mind, were committed to the things of God and the spiritual promises of the Old Testament. He wasn't using his block of 70 years in this life to pursue things of this world. He had to work. He had to eat. He had to take vacations. He had to take rest. But his great pleasure was in waiting for the consolation of Israel. And guess who gets shown the consolation of Israel? The man Simeon. We need to examine our own hearts. The message for us today is, are we like Simeon? Are we like Simeon? Are we just? Are we devout? Are we religiously zealous for serving the Lord? And are we waiting for the consolation? You know there's a consolation still coming? It's the appearing of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Is that a prime thought in our hearts? Is it the chief thought of our hearts? Or is it our job? We must examine ourselves and repent if it's not our chief thought. 
Verse 26. And it was revealed unto him by the Holy Ghost that he should not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. The Holy Ghost was upon him in a special way. You know, in the Old Testament, you got the Holy Ghost for a short period of time and only certain individuals. But in the New Testament, the Holy Spirit is a gift given to everyone that believes and obeys the gospel. And it's a permanent gift. You can grieve and you can quench that spirit, but that spirit is with you. And it can guide you as well into the word of God and into a greater love of Jesus Christ. That was Paul's prayer for the Ephesians that I mentioned already today. Paul prayed that God would, by the power of his spirit, increase their knowledge of Christ's love for them until they were filled with all the fullness of God. So when you read that about Simeon, it can be true for you. The Holy Spirit is a gift by God that was purchased by Jesus Christ for you, and you have him, his infilling, dwelling presence. And you can choose to be filled with the Spirit by asking God to fill you and submitting yourself to his word. He will fill you, because the commandment is, be filled. So don't feel that you are a second-class Christian to Simeon. You have a gift he didn't have. And that's the perpetual presence of the Holy Spirit and Jesus Christ by that Spirit in your own heart. Well, the Holy Spirit tells him, Simeon, I know you've been wondering about the timeline and whether you're going to still be alive when God's promised Messiah makes it here. I'm giving you the guarantee you'll still be here. You're not going to die before you see the Lord's Christ. When we see the words, the Lord's Christ, the word Christ the Bible tells us this, John 1, 41, John 4, 25. The word Christ is the Greek form of the word Messiah from the Old Testament. Messiah is only two times in the Old Testament. Daniel chapter 9, there we're back to the 70 weeks prophecy, verses 25 and verses 26. Messiah. When Messiah comes into Greek, it's Messias or Christ. And if you go to John 1, 41, it'll tell you that Christ means Messiah. Messiah was the deliverer of Israel. The anointed one of God. Jesus is the personal name of the Son of God. Jesus is the personal name that the angel told Joseph to call his son, Mary's son. We understand when I say son, as it was supposed, the legal son of Joseph. The angel told Joseph to call him Jesus. The angel told Mary to call him Jesus because that was his personal name. That personal name is the Greek form of the Old Testament name, Joshua. And none of this is found in a Greek lexicon or anywhere else, but in your New Testament, if you read the whole thing. Because Joshua of the Old Testament, the successor of Moses, is called in the New Testament in two places, Jesus. Acts 7.45, Hebrews 4.8. The Son of God that we worship was named Jehoshua. That's what Mary called him. That's what Joseph called him. We just get it in the translation of languages as Jesus. Because Jehoshua meant Jehovah is salvation. Angel to Mary. I mean, angel to Joseph. She shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Jehovah is salvation. The name of Jesus. Christ is a title from the Old Testament of Messiah, the Anointed One of God. Lord is a title. He is the Supreme Ruler. 
and God himself. But the Bible in 82 places combines the three of them together because his titles become part of his name so that we know him as the Lord Jesus Christ. Two of his titles attached to his personal name, and that's how we know him. The Lord Jesus Christ. Eighty-two times in the New Testament, those titles are attached to his name. Simeon was told by the Spirit of God that he should not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. He would see the Lord Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Verse 27, and he came by the Spirit. The Holy Spirit's doing a lot of revealing here, isn't he? You won't learn anything without the Holy Spirit of God. The Bible is not like a science book or a handbook of any trade or profession in this world. The Bible is not like a systematic theology. The Bible is a spiritual book, and it is the meaning of the words and the sense of the words and the conviction by those words are conveyed by the Spirit of God. He inspired those words. And he reveals, God reveals the things to us that we could not otherwise figure out by his spirit. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. So each of these verses, we have the Holy Spirit upon Simeon, telling something to Simeon, and leading Simeon to be in the temple at the right time. He came with a spirit in the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him after the custom of the law, Then took he him up in his arms and blessed God and said. The custom of the law was to bring that small sacrifice to dedicate every male that had opened the womb. And Jesus was a male and he'd opened the womb of Mary. And so there was a sacrifice to be offered. And at that moment, when they came in to do that for him in obedience to the law of Moses, the Holy Spirit had brought Simeon there at the right time. There are no coincidences in your life, brethren. Have you you figured that out yet from reading the Bible? Have you figured that out by the Holy Spirit of God revealing that to you as you've looked through your life? Has God been merciful to you in the coincidences of your life? They're the providences of God. That we hear the things that we hear at a certain place. That we meet the people that we meet in a certain place. That God brings us a Philip at a certain place. That we can hear about Jesus Christ. Those are all the providences of God. And this is no coincidence. There would have been a number of baby boys being dedicated and consecrated at Jerusalem. But Simeon arrives at the right time, and the Holy Spirit shows him the child Jesus. And he takes him up in his arms, a 40-day-old baby, and blesses God. His life has purpose. He's thankful for his life now, because he has seen the Lord Jesus Christ. His first words, Lord, now let us, thou thy servant, depart in peace. Don't keep me here any longer. No longer am I going to pray for you to preserve me another year in hope of the Christ arriving. Take me out of here. I can depart in peace because mine eyes have seen thy salvation. I have seen the fulfillment of Genesis 3.15. I've seen the fulfillment of Genesis 15, 15. I've seen the fulfillment of 49, 10. I've seen the promised Savior. I can depart in peace. I look at those words of verse 29. Lord, now lettest thou thy servant depart in peace. According to thy word, for mine eyes have seen thy salvation. And I believe there is a comforting, indirect, practical message for us. In that our peace, as we proceed through life... And as we come to the darker days, 
the days described by Solomon as we approach death, our peace is by seeing the Lord Jesus Christ. He's died for us already. He's already passed through that curtain. He made it. Many more are going to make it in him. All those that he's chosen in him, all those that believe on him, will make it safely into God's presence to be with him forever. Simeon had been praying very differently. Lord, don't, don't take me yet. From all that I can see from the book of Daniel and other prophecies, your son should be coming soon. The mighty God should be coming soon. The consolation of Israel. But now he's praying, Lord, go ahead and take me out of here. I've seen your salvation. I've seen your son. I've seen Emmanuel, God with us, born of a virgin. He says further about him, verse 31, which thou hast prepared before the face of all people. Shepherds saw him. Wise men from the east saw him. It was noised abroad. Gentiles and Samaritans heard about him and came to visit him to be healed. Jesus was, this was not, you know what the Bible tells us in Acts 26, 26, as the apostle Paul gave a confession of his faith before King Agrippa, this thing was not done in a corner. This was not done in some corner. This was done openly. There was immediately a rumor being spread by the angels appearing to the shepherds that something very great had occurred in Bethlehem. It was not done in a corner. From which thou hast prepared before the face of all people. Kings heard about it. Herod heard about it, but he wanted to kill him. Others around Herod heard about it. And wanted to follow him. The wife of a steward. Verse 32. A light to lighten the Gentiles. And the glory of thy people Israel. Everything Israel had ever existed for. For 1500 years. Was to have the Lord Jesus Christ. His people. The promised seed of Abraham. That they would take possession of all their enemies. They would take their gates. And they would be blessed. And all nations of the earth would be blessed through the seed of Abraham. It was the glory of Israel to have the Lord Jesus Christ. And Simeon recognized that and spoke of it. That it was the fulfillment of every good thing God had ever promised a nation for 1,500 years. The great blessings of Israel were not their wells that were dug and their vineyards planted and their city walls built. But it was to have the Lord of glory and to know about him. But before that, he said, it's a light to lighten the Gentiles. Brethren, I don't care what continent our ancestors came from. The whole earth has been in dark ages since the beginning. And if it weren't for the light of the gospel, and the gospel is the good news of Jesus Christ, we would yet be in that darkness. If it were not for the light that has risen to shine upon us, and it has shined in our hearts to give us the knowledge of the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. We have no claim to understanding. You go back and search out the ancestors that gave rise to your family. They were in ignorance. I don't care what nation of this earth you come from. They were in gross darkness. Those are Bible words. Gross darkness covered the people until the Lord of glory arose. Until Jesus Christ came. He was the light of life. He was eternal life itself. He was God in the flesh. And he was believed on in the world. 
No wonder it's called a great mystery of the gospel in 1 Timothy 3.16 that he was believed on in the world. Most of the world doesn't believe on him. But he was believed on in the world. And we are in that number. Great is the mystery of godliness that we would believe that Jesus of Nazareth and this account of him is true. And he's the only savior from sin. A light to lighten the Gentiles. Just look at the words of Simeon. One sentence long. Lord, now lettest thou thy servant depart in peace according to thy word. For mine eyes have seen thy salvation, which thou hast prepared before the face of all people. A light to lighten the Gentiles and the glory of thy people Israel. One sentence. He blessed God. Thank you, Lord, for letting me live long enough. Thank you, Lord, for letting me see the fulfillment of every good thing that you've promised us from the beginning. Joseph and his mother marveled at those things which were spoken of him. You know, when you read that, you say, Joseph, an angel had appeared to you and told you that Mary's son Jesus was going to be great. He was going to save his people from their sins. Mary, an angel had appeared to you and told you Why are you marveling? You know, it's a reminder that all of our hearts are hard and our faith small to believe all things that are spoken of Jesus Christ. Even though they were his parents, it was hard for them to grasp it all. But there was something stuck in here they hadn't heard before. About the Gentiles. Can you believe? Our son is not just for Israel, but the whole world? Yes. They marveled. You know what they marveled about? That you could be saved. If you're offended by that, that I could be saved. That's more powerful. That I could be saved. They marveled at that. Joseph and his mother marveled at those things which were spoken of him. That one sentence, at least that we have here by the Holy Spirit. Verse 34, and Simeon blessed them, Joseph and Mary. Prayed a blessing upon them and and admitted and acknowledged and confessed that God had indeed blessed them to... To be the biological mother and the legal father of this glorious child. Then he turns to, his Mar- to Mary, his mother. And he turns to Mary and ignores Joseph. And if you read all the Gospels, Joseph disappears. We don't know when he died. We know that Mary followed Jesus throughout his ministry and Mary was at the cross. We don't know what happened to him. Doesn't matter. Simeon turns to Mary. Because she's the only one that this is going to affect. There's no record of Joseph during the life and ministry of Jesus. During the ministry of Jesus. You know, he was still around at 12, wasn't he? But when we get to 30, and we see Jesus moving around the land of Canaan, and around the land of Israel, we don't read about Joseph again. So the, the address is to Mary. Mary, behold... This is a prophetic warning. This is a prophetic lesson about the role of Jesus Christ in this world and in the nation of Israel. Behold, this child is set for the fall and rising again of many in Israel. God ordained Jesus Christ to be a stumbling stone and a rock of offense to cause people to stumble over him because of the hardness of their hearts. And they did not want a savior. They wanted a deliverer from Rome rather than a son of God that could give them the adoption of sons. 
And so he set up Jesus Christ in a way that there was no beauty or comeliness in him that we should desire him. He did not come in glorious splendor. He wasn't born in a palace. He was laid in a manger. He came in a stable. Instead of with the glory that men were looking for. Look at Isaiah chapter 8. Look at Isaiah 8. Brethren, I want to leave something with you. How you react to the Lord Jesus Christ, how you react today, tells everyone, and you, and the Lord, whether you have eternal life abiding in you or not. How you react to hearing about Jesus Christ. If you sit there and doze, and you don't care, that is proof and a sweet-smelling savour in the nostrils of God of death unto death. If you respond with love, even if it includes confession of sin, for having neglected the Lord of glory, that is the savour of life unto life. According to 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 14 through 17, the preaching of Jesus Christ always triumphs. It always works. Either you believe it and love it, and you show you're a child of God, Or you disregard it or hate it and show you're a child of the devil. God set up Jesus Christ to make that division in the human race. You're not neutral about Jesus Christ. You either hate him or you love him. And you can't tell us you love him unless you live for him. Because he said, if you love me, keep my commandments. Look at at Isaiah chapter 8. This prophecy. Verse 13 Sanctify the Lord of hosts himself, and let him be your fear, and let him be your dread. And he shall be for a sanctuary. Oh, I want to run and hide in this sanctuary. But for a stone of stumbling, and for a rock of offense, to both the houses of Israel, for a gin and a snare to the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and many among them shall stumble and fall and be broken and be snared and be taken. That is what the Bible says about Jesus Christ. That is what Simeon was saying when he said, Behold, this child, a 40-day-old baby, this child is set. God has appointed him. God has ordained him. God has predestinated him to be a divisive factor in the human family and in human families. He is a rock of offense. He is a stone of stumbling. Look at 1 Peter chapter 2 with me. Oh, brethren, what does Jesus Christ mean to you today? Do you love him? Run to him by faith and humble yourself before him. Cast yourself upon his mercy. Confess your sins. Declare to him that you believe he is the son of God. Ask him to increase your faith. Tell them you believe, but you need help with your unbelief. Repent of neglecting him if you haven't been waiting for him like Simeon was. First Peter chapter 2 tells us this, verse 6. Wherefore also it is contained in the scripture. This is from a different citation out of Isaiah. Behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone. Elect, precious, and he that believeth on him shall not be confounded. Unto you therefore which believe, he is precious. But unto them which be disobedient, 
The stone which the builders disallowed, the same is made the head of the corner. And a stone of stumbling, and a rock of offense, even to them which stumble at the word, being disobedient. Whereunto also they were appointed, but ye are a chosen generation. What a difference about the Lord Jesus Christ. And it is the acid test of every man on this planet and every woman on this planet. What do you say of Jesus Christ? What think ye of Christ? Whose son is he? Is he the Lord that deserves your obedience and submission and faith? Or is he nothing? Or do you hate him? Do you know what the whole religious world is doing right now? They are compromising the gospel of Jesus Christ and compromising the Jesus Christ of the Bible to make him as sweet as pie. They have another Jesus and another spirit, another gospel that they proclaim in order to bring more and more in who would otherwise hate the Jesus Christ of the Bible. If the Jesus Christ of this Bible is preached with unadulterated truth as the word of God reveals him, he is despised by the vast majority of men. He is loved by only a few. And those few were chosen to be a generation. And I'm telling you, this head of this, this head of, headstone of the corner, they didn't want to have their kingdom built with the Lord Jesus Christ. He's built his kingdom anyway, and he's invited you and me into it. He'll take his kingdom away from those Jews and give it to nations bringing forth the fruit thereof. Thank you, Lord. Amen. This child, this, no one, no one preaches that message, do they? All they can do is show him glowing pink. He's naked. He's naked and there's usually snow falling. Picture him now and a Christmas card. He's being rocked in this little thing that couldn't feed a dog, let alone a bunch of cattle. But he's being rocked in this little crib that was cut out just for him. He's glowing pink. It's, the snow's falling outside. There's little dogs standing there looking at him. He's got a little circle around his head. Mary looks like she just got back from vacation sitting in a rocking chair. And they sing away in a manger. The little Lord Jesus laid down his sweet head. Let me tell you something about the little Lord Jesus. The little Lord Jesus was set up by God to be a rock of offense. Amen. I'm not trying to be disrespectful to the word of God. I am trying to be disrespectful to that nonsense. Behold. Mary... Behold, this child is set for the fall. Oh, Jesus didn't come to save everyone. Jesus Christ came for the fall of many in Israel. Those who fell on him were broken and saved and lived a resurrected life and are in heaven at this hour. Those who didn't fall in repentance before him, he fell on them and ground them to powder and burned up their city. This child is set for the fall and rising again of many in Israel. And for a sign that shall be spoken against. Angels appeared in heaven to announce his birth. At the age of 12, he could understand and answer the doctors of the law and ask them questions that caused them to be astounded, astonished, the Bible tells us. At 30, he could heal the sick. He could cure blindness. He raised the dead. Calm storms. Feed multitudes with little boys' lunches. When he died, the veil of the temple was rent in twain. Some of these things I've already said today. 
but they didn't believe on him. He was a sign that was spoken against. The Lord had told that nation, therefore the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel, which is God with us. This sign shall be spoken against. God revealed himself to that nation and he was spoken against. They said he did his miracles by the power of Beelzebub. They said, weren't we right when we said you're a Samaritan and you have a devil? You know what Jesus said to that generation? He said, I sent you John the Baptist. He was totally different than I am. And then I came and you rejected us both. One's a madman, one's got a devil. A sign that shall be spoken against. This is always the way it's been with the Lord Jesus Christ. Right. There is another Jesus in this world, and it's not the Jesus of the Bible. And those that follow the other Jesus hate the followers of the true Jesus Christ. If you live for the true Jesus Christ, you will find this out. If you don't live for him, then you will never know the difference. Because you don't know the true Jesus of the Bible. Behold, this child is set for the fall and rising again of many in Israel, and for a sign which shall be spoken against. In Acts chapter 28, the Apostle Paul finally arrives in Rome. He gets there and he calls the, the elders of the Jews that lived in that city together. You know what they had to say to him? They said, everything we've heard about this sect is that everyone speaks against it everywhere. The religion of Jesus Christ spoken of, spoken against it everywhere. Even though there were such glorious testimonies. Those apostles went out in the world. Have you ever read about the signs and wonders they did? They weren't selling their handkerchiefs and aprons. They were giving their hand- handkerchiefs and aprons away and healing sick people. Peter's shadow was enough to heal. And yet it was everywhere spoken against. In parentheses, yea, a sword shall pierce through thy own soul also. Mary had to witness that her entire life. Do you know what kind of a home she grew up in? I will comfort every parent here by the word of God. But that does not reduce our responsibilities to be faithful, diligent, vigilant parents. Mary grew up in a home where the other six children that we know of, at least six other children, did not believe on him. Not until he was about 33 years old did they believe on him. A sword shall pierce through thy own soul also. How many times did Jesus ever sin in that family? And yet his brothers and sisters did not believe on him. She saw the doctors of the law that had been astonished with him at 12 plan his death at 33. She was at the cross and saw her son hanging naked on the cross of Calvary, suffering wrongfully in every respect, with God deserting him as far as the fellowship he had enjoyed all his life. He was about his father's business, and it cut her soul. Simeon told all this. The Bible isn't always a big smile, and let's just all go out and make more money in the name of Jesus. This is the truth about Jesus Christ of God. 
Behold, this child is set for the fall and rising again of many in Israel, and for a sign which shall be spoken against. Yea, a sword shall pierce through thy own soul also, that the thoughts of many hearts might be revealed. That the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. What is Jesus Christ to you right now? God set Jesus Christ up in such a way to expose your heart. What have you done with Jesus of Nazareth? How much do you love him? How much does reading about him from his word stir your soul? Do you love singing about him? Have you thought about him this past week? Have you asked God to show you him more clearly? Do you love to speak of him to others? Is he with you every day? Is he inside you every day where he said he would be in all those that believe in him? Those that believe in him and keep his word, he said, I will come and make my abode with you and I'll abide there forever. How important is the Lord Jesus Christ to you? The Jesus of the Bible separates men. Jesus said, I came not to bring peace on earth, but a sword. That's Matthew's version. Luke's version is, I came to bring division. John records three times, and there was a division among the people because of him. Jesus caused division wherever he went. This is always the way it's been. This does not excuse us as parents not doing the very best with each of our children. But it does remind us that the Jesus Christ, the Bible, brings division. But what does he mean to you? Let's not think about division. Let's think about our own souls. How much do you love Jesus Christ? Most of you are baptized. That means you believe that he was the Son of God, and you loved him, and you wanted to live for him. That's what you told me if I baptized you, or I wouldn't have baptized you. You declared all that. You said you believe that God sent Jesus Christ into this world by a virgin mother? That he died a death, a substitutionary death, on the cross of Calvary, rose up into heaven from the dead, and is seated there forevermore. You said you believed all that because that's what baptism means. Are you living for him today? Have you lived for him this past week? Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. Those are true words of the word of God. We own those words, not the Arminians. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. In that great day, Jesus Christ will be their deliverer. That belief is no bare belief. That belief is a living faith that results in a changed life that starts out with baptism in his name. Do you love the Lord Jesus Christ? He is set for the rising and fall of many. He is set as a sign to be spoken against. To reveal the thoughts of many hearts. What does it reveal about your heart? How much do you speak of them? Sing of them? Think of them? Pray about them? Read about them? Delight in him? How much? It reveals your heart. It reveals my heart. Do we love the Lord Jesus Christ as we should? Lord, help us. Have mercy upon us. And raise us up out of this world to set our affection on him and the things that are above. In Jesus' name, Lord help us.